So can we welcome Stuart and Chelsea Sharp with us today? Can we give them a hand and thank you for being with us? Um, let's step out here a second. Yeah, there we go. All right, so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to introduce you a little bit to them, let them tell their story a little bit. Um, they are, uh, anyway, I'll let them tell their story. So they do not have their kids with them, but go ahead. And we have, their, we have the picture up there, so go ahead and introduce the, the little ones. Yeah, so it's going to be with Keystone Church this morning. My name is Stuart. This is my wife, Chelsea. As you can see the picture, this is, so Emerson is the boy that's in front of me. He's five. And Olivia to the right is our girl. She's four. They're 11 months apart. A lot of wisdom in that if you're, uh, yeah. Um, and then our two-year-old now, this is an older picture, but she, Cora is now two years old. Um, so that's our family. If anybody has an advice for people that had kids 11 months apart. Um, so... Anyway, we're rumbling up here. There we go. Um, all right, so Stuart, tell us a little bit about, so I met you about eight or nine years ago. Yeah. You were like an intern at a church in Pennsylvania. <laughs> we won't even go there. But, uh, but tell what you guys have been doing in ministry and then kind of how God has worked um, and, and specifically led you into church planting. Yeah, for sure. When I first met Josh, we, I, we were at a ministry up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and he was at a ministry in Baltimore. Yep. Um, we had done staff training together. At the time, I thought that the Lord was leading us to do international missions, um, and we were there for about a year, and it was, it was, it was always cool to see Josh, and uh, I remember even we were at like a Pirates game, and Josh yep. was kind of even dreaming about Keystone Church and kind of talking me through, like, this is what, this is like what I want to do, and then we went to Atlanta, and you were like raising support, and so it's been cool for me to see you guys from a distance, um, but being back, we been in North Carolina now, over in state. Anybody been to Statesville? Uh, you know, you know, you know States where Statesville Vegas. is. States how, many, Vegas, how many of you have actually been to Statesville? How many <laughs> of you have driven through Statesville? Right, that's everybody right there. Yeah, 40. Yeah, and so just being in North Carolina, I guess God has just revealed to us and to me that there's a lot of people that have a similar story like like Chelsea and I do. Um, I never wanted to be in America because, like, man, America is over over churched, over gospel. But what I've re- what's what's now what I've learned is that that's not true at all, yeah. and that there is this veneer. Right in our churches and in our lives, that everything's okay, but inside there's this brokenness, and and so God has just led us to to plant a church in Boulder, Colorado, and so that's where we're headed to. Do you mean to go into details about what we're doing, or uh, well, well, so so for the last seven years, six years, six years, six years, they've been at Ufola Baptist Church. Pastor Jake Potter has been here with us a couple times. Yeah. Um, that's where they've been, and kind of maybe. And I know there's some there's some Statesville, uh, some Ufola. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, but but tell us kind of how. Kind of how that season of ministry prepared you guys. Or what have you done? Like kind of where you've been serving. Kind of prepared you for what God has for, for you. For sure. Future. Yeah. When 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 Jake and I'm sure many of you know him. Jake Jake and Josh are very good friends. When he first called us down there, it was because he needed someone to work with the youth and the kids. And and I was the the youth pastor. Chelsea was our kids director. And so it was just like grassroots level. And then God has blessed and blessed our church over there. Um, and then I moved more into an executive role of just you know family pastor and you know associate pastor there at the church uh, but it's been there it's been pastoring there you know again I went there I, I interned at the church at Harvest uh, I was the my official title so they made us feel better about being interns we were outreach directors you know and so and so and then it's been being back in North Carolina as pastors that God's really placed that yeah. that that call on my life for sure so. all right so why Boulder why Boulder? That is yep. a great question. Yeah, so I grew up um, in Columbia. Anybody been to Columbia, South Carolina? 
when I, so I went to, I went, we, we met in, in college out in California, in Los Angeles, and I would tell people I'm from Colombia, and they're like, the country? I'm like, really? The country? No, like, this, no, no, like, this is Columbia, South Carolina, and so that's where I, that's where I grew up, and so I would take trips, I was just a part of, American Bouldering Series was out in Boulder, and so we would go out there a lot, and just, God has just knit my heart with that group of people, and I will, I will say this, um, how many of you have, know somebody that they're, maybe they're single, and they're like looking, they're waiting for the one? Anybody know that? Or anybody, th you know, some people, maybe, in the back? Okay. I used to, tr so, yeah. <laughs> actually, yes, it's that word testimony. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> we, so I would, I used to treat, I used to treat the, the one, like the, like the place, like Boulder, like where, like God, where are you going to lead us? Is it going to be, at Asheville was on my heart for a long time, and there were some other places, and I used to treat the place kind of like the one, this ethereal, like, man, God's just going to part the clouds, and he's going to tell me, but what I learned about the one, it's more just like, hey, just pick somebody, and choose them, and then they're the one for you, you know what I mean? And so I was like, God was just like, <laughs> she is the one, <laughs> but I'm saying, but it was this, it was this, I was kind of like I was thinking so much about the place and then I feel fall of 2020 after COVID and after just everything in that pandemic it was like the Lord was just like Stuart I I've been preparing you for these past few years and I, you, you pick the place you pick the place where you can go and love the people love the place and and just spend the rest of your life preaching the gospel to them and so that's kind of what led me to Boulder. Yeah, that's, that is awesome. So I'm not going to make Chelsea share her testimony this morning, but she has an incredible testimony, actually, of God's grace in her life. She was a California girl, and, um, and uh, God used her pastor, really, um, in a huge way. And so God brought them together. Uh, they're going to Boulder, Colorado. Before they get to Boulder, yeah. you guys are going to Texas to share a little bit about that we residency and, and things like that. Yes, we are. I was, I'm just not, I don't know if it's because I'm a millennial. I just didn't want to do the traditional route. And so I decided that while we would raise support, that I wanted to be trained as well. And, and what I tell people is I have all these years, not that many years, really seven years of right. pastoring is not that long, but that's what I have in experience past pastoring and 10 plus years of preaching, but I have zero years of church planting. I've been able to watch and observe places like Keystone Church from afar, but I don't know the first thing about church planting. And so what I wanted to do is while we raise support, while we move into this season of developing our ministry team, I learned of a, a church planting residency program down in, in outside of Dallas and Flower Mound, Texas. And so uh, we got accepted into that. And so while we raise, instead of staying in Statesville and raising support, uh, we're going to be going to Texas and do that from there. Yeah, that, that's a big thing. I did not do any of those things. Church planning residencies are huge uh, help uh, to, to people as they prepare uh, to go. So for our church, I want, I want to say this before uh, Stuart preaches. Um, there are three things that we do when it, when it involves church planting or missions in any way. We pray. Every single one of us in here can pray, right? There's not one of us who like, sorry, Josh, I'm all prayed out. Like every one of us can pray. Um, I believe that every one of us can give. I believe every single, whether it's $1 or like someone threw out last week, $5,000. I believe that we can all give. And so part of our VBS that's coming up this week, if you notice the uh, lobby, um, part of VBS that's coming up this week is we are raising money for church planting. And so we want to, you can do that by Giving out, out as on your way out, make sure you just uh, designate it to church planting. Uh, Mission Sunday is on our um, online giving. You can do that. But we can all give. I believe we can all give. Because let's be real. I can testify to this. Planting a church isn't free. It's not cheap. And whatever you think you need to do it, you need more. 
money. I promise. And so, and then the third one, and this is where I really, is, is to go. Pray, give, and go. We have said this from day one in our church, that we want to live open-handed. And that means if God calls you to go to a place like Boulder, Colorado, with a family like Stuart and Chelsea Sharp, that we want, we want that for your life. And so not that you would just pray and not that you would just give, but man, would you ask God if he would, man, would he, would he move me? Would he possibly call me? Um, we, we're not selfish here. We're not selfish. And that's what I want you to, to, to pray about. Would you pray? I know God's going to tell you, yes, you need to do that. Would you give? I'm pretty confident God's going to tell you to do that. And would you go? That's the way God puts teams together. That's the way God builds these churches I promise you in 2022, not many churches get built from one man, one woman, and their kids. Now, some people have enough kids where they start out with like 20 people that are, you know, <laughs> right off the bat. But everybody understand that? That's what we want to be as a church. So can we, can we do that as a church family? Just have those thoughts in our head. Can we pray? For sure. Can we give? For sure. And would God allow us to go? And if he would, would he give us the courage to do it? Can we do this? Can we make them welcome? While we're making them welcome, Chelsea and I are going to leave. Kids, you can be dismissed. Back to your elementary school kids, back to your elementary environment. Can we give them a hand and thank them once again for being here? Awesome. Well, it is so good to be with you this morning. I love your pastor. Uh, I love all your pastors, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Josh, Pastor Jeff. Pastor Tim, all of the, everybody, all, I love all of your staff and what the team that God has brought together as I have, like I said, as I've been dreaming and thinking about what God wants to do in our life, I, I, I look at, I watch your church from the outside. I hope you know that. I hope you're okay with that. There are people from the outside looking in um, and watching what you guys have done. What God has done here is, is incredible. Like, like I wanted, I've been talking to Chelsea, uh, talking about Keystone for, for, for really for a couple of years. And Chelsea, I want you to see it. I want you to see it. And especially when you guys move, were able to move in here, I was like, you've got to come and see it. Um, and so this is just an awesome just testimony of your faithfulness to, to giving, but also just the Lord and what he's doing and building his church here um, in Durham. I'm super excited about it. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1 this morning. I know you guys are studying through the book of Colossians, so... Um, Hopefully it's not super repetitive for you. I, if you're like me, whenever you read through the, the scriptures, if you do it every year, there's, there's always things that I'm like, man, I've been reading this for 10 years. And I, you know, something different as, as God is bringing to life. Um, but I hope that this is encouragement uh, to you this morning. I, I do echo what Josh said. We would love for you to pray for us. We, um, we just sold our house, so that's awesome. And, and even just God's providence, if you know anything about the housing market right now, this window when we're kind of launching out was like the perfect window for us. Um, and so we were able to sell our house even, it was like on a, the coming soon for a day and someone came in and, and wanted to buy it. Um, and so now we're looking for, for rentals. So that's not the best thing because rentals are outrageous in, in Flower Mound. But um, pray for that. Pray for us as we um, transition out of Statesville down um, to there. So look down. We're going to be in verse this 24 through 29 in chapter 1. Look down at verse 29, um, and then we'll pray and we'll, we'll dive right in this morning. Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, the Bible says, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working. Other translations may say toiling, I'm toiling. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Whereunto what? For, for what is Paul laboring? What, what is Paul talking about? What is Paul striving after? Well, it's the title of our sermon today. It's 
for the church. For the church. Let's pray and we'll, we'll jump right in. Lord, we love you. Jesus, it is, man, just to, to worship with these brothers and sisters this morning has, has done my heart good. Lord, just the, the incredible, t- I just can't get over, God, just how good you've been to, to Keystone. Lord, and the church that you're building here is just, God, it is, it is amazing. Lord, and even through a pandemic, Lord, through a time where, where all hope should be down, God, to see that you are building, Lord, here as I drove through the, the neighborhood and saw all the, the people that in this community, Lord, all the, all the potential, God, that, that's here, Lord, Lord, it just, it excites me and inspires me. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you'd be with Pastor Josh and the team here. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the, 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 the church here, Lord, the, the people who, who come here who are a part of this community of faith. God, we give you all the praise and glory as we sang this morning. It's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. How many of you have ever used the phrase, stop beating around the bush? Anybody do that? How many of y'all are guilty of beating around the bush? I'm very much guilty about this. So there, for whatever reason, I don't know why I, I, these, these statements or idioms, as they're called, not idiots, idioms, they're very interesting to me. And for, for some reason, I don't know if there's any English people in here, but idioms, there, there's a lot of them about cats, like for some reason. Like, like, like um, it's raining cats and dogs outside, or like who let the cat out of the bag? Like who put the cat in the bag? Like what? I don't know. I don't understand that. Or, or there's more than one ways to skin a cat. Like what? Like who skin? Like who is this? Like who's skinning cats? Right? But there's these weird idioms, and so I wanted to know what is this phrase of stop beating around the bush? Where that comes from? So I did what all of us are able to do. I took out my phone and googled it, and you know, and so I, I looked up what does stop being around the bush mean? And apparently, uh, back in I think Keith said he was going to go. He was going to the UK. Apparently, in the UK, back in medieval times, that they would they would go on these hunts probably even, they probably still do stuff like this, you know, over there. Uh, so they're, they're, they would go on these hunts and they would hire people to come with them and they would, they, these servants, and they would go and they would, they would beat the bushes and they would beat the bush to kind of drive out the, the, the birds or the, I'm not a hunter, so I, yeah, the, the things that they're trying to kill and then eat, I guess. And so, but what would happen is sometimes they would, they would beat the bush and something would come out that they didn't want to, like bees or a wild boar or something. And so what they begin to do was to beat around the bush. And so by beating around the bush, they weren't in danger of what was going to come out, but the, 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 you know, they, they were to beat around the bush instead of getting closer and hitting them directly. And so this is similar to how this is used today. It refers to someone, if you're like me, who talks around their point instead of getting directly to it. And so Keystone Church, I want to tell you this morning that, that unlike us, God does not beat around the bush. God is far more interested in declaring things to us than explaining things for us. Now, he does explain so much in Scripture, but, but, but God, the God that we worship, the God that we talked about, as we worship him, he's far more interested in declaring things to us than necessarily explaining all the nuances of things. And Paul certainly, as you have studied through the book of Colossians over the past uh, few weeks or however long that you've been in it, is not beating around the bush either. And so we're not going to either this morning. And so this is the message, and I hope that we all arrive at this at the end. And and this is my thesis to you this morning, is that God's plan for your life is the church. God's plan for your life is the church, and God's plan for the church is your life. Did you know that this morning? Well, did I know what? Well, what I just said. Did you know that, that God's, if you're a believer in here this morning, that God's plan for your life is the local church? You know, my great fear for so many of us, and I've, you know, been in the South now for so long, and I, I grew up in, in, in South Carolina, been back in North Carolina for, for years, 
my fear is that, that so many of us have focused on the wrong things. And, and I don't know what many of your backgrounds are, but, but depending on what church you came from or what, what, what circles you were in, it was completely different. Like whether some churches it was all about like what kind of music that you listened to and that was your level of spirituality or, or even like where I'm at sometimes in North Carolina, like depending on what translation of scripture you're in is like depends on like what your level of Christianity is. And, and, and here's my, my fear is that we have majored on the minors and minored or minored on the major, whatever, however that phrase goes, we focused on the wrong things. There's been a lot of beating around the bush. And so as we get into this passage of scripture that, that you have already studied and that should be familiar to you, we're, we're not talking about any of those things necessarily, but this morning we're going to see that Paul is going to get straight to the point of why he's doing what he's doing. He's not going to beat around the bush. He's not going to try to talk us in circles. He's not going to focus on these uh, issues that don't matter. He's going to get right to his point. And here is the point is that, hey, I've done all of this for you, for the church. And so this morning as we walk through these few verses together, I want to draw your attention specifically to three reasons why you and I need church. Three reasons why you and I need church, if, and it's very bottom, you know, in Statesville, very, I, put, I, made, I wrote this very bottom shelf for us. So number one, you need church because it's God's plan for you. You need church because it's God's plan for you. And again, I know you're in Colossians, so this is going to be a lot of review for you. But Paul, with Timothy, is writing from his imprisonment in Rome to the church at Colossae. This is a, this is a church that he did not start, nor a church that he has ever been to. He, he learns of this church, we believe, from a man named Epaphras. Or, Epaphras, or whatever, what, Epa, yeah, let me make sure I get his name right. Epaphras, yeah, Epaphras in verse number 7. Epaphras, many scholars believe, have traveled to Rome to meet Paul, and while he he was in Rome, he shares to Paul, hey, th- let me tell you about this church that I have started. And, and many scholars believe that it was while Paul, if you remember back in Acts chapter number 19, Paul was in Ephesus for three years. The Bible says in, in Acts chapter number 19 that he taught in the, the hall of the school of Tyrannus for, 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 for years daily discipling people. And many theorize and believe that, well, maybe Epaphras came over um, from Colossae over to Ephesus and learned of the, the gospel of the, the grace and mercy of God gets saved and goes back back east to Colossae and starts this church. And so for reasons that are unknown to us, we see that, that, that Epaphras has gone to Rome to meet, to meet Paul and to tell him about this church that he has started, about this gospel that he is declaring, but also about some issues that have arisen in the church. Dangerous and competing teachings have come from inside and outside the church. So Paul does what he does best. Paul writes a letter. Colossians takes the form, and I know, that, I know this is review for you this morning, but Colossians takes the form of a disputation in which the apostle argues the gospel side of a debate between the all-sufficient preeminence of Christ and the false claims of man-made religion. And so far in chapter 1, even as, as Tim read this morning from it, Paul says that since the moment that he's learned, since the, he's, he writes to them, he says, hey church, since the moment that I've learned about you, since the moment that Epaphras came in, I mean imagine this. Imagine Paul, he's in Rome, he's in, he's in chains, the end of the book talks about, remember me in my bonds. And then he sees somebody that was impacted by his ministry a decade ago, comes to him and says, hey, I've, I've started this church. Man, there's a, a gospel work going on. And, and Paul says, the moment that I learned of you, I've not stopped praying for you. And then he goes on, he writes, hey, hey here, here's my hopes for you. He, he, I have these, these hopes for you that I have hopes for all of the church that I've started. And, and now especially for this church that I have never seen you, I've never been with you. 
And then he says, let me, let me tell you about the theme of what, what I'm going to write to you about. And it's what, what Tim read this morning, the preeminence of Christ, the, the supremacy of Christ. And now in our text this morning, he's going to tell them who he is, who Paul is. Epaphras remains in Rome with Paul as Paul sends out letters to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Laodicea, and to the church at Colossae. He sends them with a man that's on his ministry team named Tychicus. Tychicus takes these three letters. He goes over to Ephesus. He goes over to Colossae. He goes to Laodicea. He delivers these letters. And with him is a man that you may also know, a man named Onesimus. And Onesimus is there with Tychicus. Onesimus is, a, is an ex-slave, and he has a letter addressed to his former master, also a Colossian man named Philemon. And it's within this story and within this context, within the midpoint of the first century A.D. that our text takes place this morning. Look down at verse number 24 of chapter 1. The Bible says, who, now who is who, this is, if you, verse 23, the end says, I, Paul, am made a minister, verse 24, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is be, be, behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. I, Paul, now rejoice in my sufferings. I rejoice in everything that's happened to me for you. All of the afflictions in my body, the afflictions that were in Christ, that I now have the, the pleasure and the privilege to take in on myself, I do for his body, I do for the church. Whereof, of which, of what, of the church, Jesus has made me a minister. This is what God has given me to steward for you, for his body, for the church. We just read it, to fulfill the word of God, to make the word of God fully known. Hey, church at Colossae, let, let, me, let me tell you why I keep getting beaten. Hey, church at Colossae, let me, let me tell you why I, I, I've been stoned at Lystra and left for dead. Hey, church at Colossae, let me tell you why even as now I'm sitting in a prison cell in Rome awaiting to be killed. Let me tell you why that I'm doing all of this. I do it for you. I've lived my life for the church for the body of Christ to, to preach the gospel. To, 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 as I started off this journey of, of pulling Christians and trying to, to snuff out all that God has done, I've now dedicated my life to the complete opposite. I've given myself over for the church. Hey, Keystone Church, let me tell you, you need church because it's God's plan for your life. Listen, I, I could spend, and, and, and I know Pastor Josh, man, you guys are a church plant. It doesn't feel like it to me, but you guys are a church plant. You know this. I mean, Josh, the, the, the labor that he's gone through, what he just talked about, the labor that we are entering into now, it's not because we want to, you know, have a stage and a platform and be live stream. It's because it's for the church. Let me, let me read something to you. This is from the, right, right after the inauguration of the church as the Holy Spirit of God comes down. This is Acts 2. You don't have to turn there, but just listen. It says, then they that gladly received him, were, his word, were baptized. And the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together. And had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they... They, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Let me tell you, this, this is what defined the first century church. This is what should define our church. Listen, there's, there's no lone believers in Christianity. Right, like God's plan has always been from the beginning for us to be a community of faith, a collective of people worshiping God together just as we did this morning. If you, let, me, let, me, let me read you another text. This is from Acts chapter 20. This is at the end. So Acts chapter number 19. Remember, he's with the, he's with the Ephesians for, for years. He's, he's teaching them. He's discipling them. Ephesians was, was the longest place that Paul ever stayed in, in one place for his ministry. And at the very end of those three years, he gathers all the Ephesian elders together and he, he says some things to them. And this is what he says. He says, take heed there unto and to yourselves. And to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. The, the church of Christ, Keystone Church, the church which he hath purchased with his own blood. I, ho I hope you caught that. I hope you are picking up what Paul's putting down. What, what a unique description of the church. And if you're like me, I, I mean, I don't think of it that way oftentimes. I think of Stuart Sharp as someone that God has purchased with his own blood. I think of Chelsea Sharp as someone that, that God has purchased with his own blood. But what we just learned was that the church, this collective of faith God has purchased with his own blood. The idea that you can be a believer and a follower of Christ and not be involved in a church flies in the face of 2,000 years of church history. Paul's saying everything that I've done is for the church. And all I'm saying this morning to you is that God's plan for your life is the church and God's plan for the church is your life. Number one, we see that you need church because it's God's plan for you. But notice with me, secondly, you need church because it's who you are. You need church because it's who you are. Look down at verse number 26. It says, he goes on, Paul says, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but is now made manifest to his saints, verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul continues, he says, hey, this is, this is the great mystery. This is the great mystery all throughout the halls of scriptures, what the, the prophets of the Old Testament, they alluded to, what they were kind of seeing, but they couldn't see it clearly. I'm here now to declare and to reveal unto you what this mystery actually is. It's, it's God's people, both Jews and Gentiles, all nations being brought together into a collective of people. And he, he adds on to it, he says, but this mystery also is Christ in you. Let me draw your attention to everybody's favorite passage in scripture, Ephesians 5, it says, wives submit. And then we often like, uh, okay, wives submit. <laughs> wives submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband, and I want you to catch where I'm going to place the emphasis. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. By the way, this passage is, is more talking about the church than it is a wively submission and, and, and husbandly sacrifice. But, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wife, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man hath yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall, now, now catch this. 
For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. And then Paul goes on, he says this, he, he says all that, and we've heard it preached about, the, Paul quantifies everything he, about the, he, he just said. He said, this is a great mystery, but I speak, I, I'm revealing to you what this mystery is, I speak concerning Christ and the church. The mystery of scripture. By the way, that, that letter to the Ephesians was, 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 Tychicus had that letter while he also had the letter to Colossae and the letter to Laodicea. He delivered all of these at the same time. And that great mystery spoke of in Ephesians chapter 5 that God's ultimate plan for his people has finally been revealed. And here it is. It's you and Christ in a covenant called the church. He even takes it a step further. It's not only the mystery of scripture, the church, this community of faith, this collective of believers. It's the gathering of all nations together. It's Christ in you. For you, the body of Christ, for the church, for the church, for the church. This is why I write. This is why I toil. But what is the church? Well, he's just told us. And, and listen, I, if, you, if you don't walk away with anything, I hope it's this. The church is not just what you do. It's who you are. Now, now listen to me. This, this is a beautiful building. I'm just, I, I, just, like, I just can't get over it. But Keystone Church isn't the stained glass. Keystone Church isn't this building. Keystone Church is you. You are the church. It's who you are. It's this community of faith that you have been brought into. And we have a mouthpiece and we have people who play and people who serve and people who are in the kids. And the Bible goes on to talk about how the, the hand is not more important than the mouth and the feet are not more important than the, than the legs. It's all a body of Christ that he's brought together. And so listen, you need church not only because it's, it, it's God's plan for you, but you need church, Keystone. It's because it's who you are. I want you to notice finally this morning, you need church because you must mature in Christ. You need church because you must mature in Christ. Look down at verse 28. It says, whom we preach. So whom? So it's kind of referring back to Christ in you. Verse 28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect or mature in Christ Jesus. Paul continues, he says, it's him. It's Jesus, it's the Christ, it's the Messiah, the anointed one. That's whom we preach, that's whom we proclaim. And we want to warn and teach everyone in wisdom so that we may present them perfect or mature. It's the Greek word teleos. It means to, to, to this, this, this sanctification process, this maturation in Christ. Let me read you what Amy Carmichael wrote. She said this, Sometimes when we read the words of those who have been more than conquerors, we feel almost despondent. I feel like I shall never be like that. But they won through step-by-step -step little bits of wills, little denials of self, little inward victories by faithfulness and very little things. They became what they are. No one sees these little hidden steps. They only see the accomplishment. But even so, those small steps were taken. There's no sudden triumph, no spiritual maturity. This is the work of the moment. Eugene Peterson described the life of the faithful disciple, and I love this, long obedience in the same direction. And Amy and Eugene, and I believe that Paul are saying the same thing. The, the life of the Christian is not bouncing from high to high, but it's faithfulness in, in every little area of life. I've heard it said that, that once you're a parent, you're just memories for your kid's future. Right, I mean, you think back, like when you like what you think back to your kid, to your childhood. It's it's memories that your parents have with you. It's memories of of that. And once we become a parent, we're now just it's not about us anymore. We are just memories for our kids' future. And I think about this a lot. 
You know, when I think about how Emerson and Olivia and Cora are going to view me one day, it's, I don't hope, and they think that, oh, my, my dad was perfect. Uh, yeah, my, my, my dad was never perfect. My, my, yeah, my dad, sometimes he was angry, sometimes he was impatient, sometimes he did all of those things. But when I want them to look at me in the future and think back on my life, I'm like, yeah, he was all of those things. And some days he was three steps in the right direction, two steps in the wrong direction. But my dad was faithful. My dad was consistent. My dad wasn't someone at church and then someone at home. He wasn't someone in the car and then someone at the store. My dad was faithful in the little areas of life. My dad followed Jesus. And some days it was, like I said, some steps forward, some steps backwards. But when he gets to the end of his life, he was faithful. What is that? It's long obedience in the same direction. It's progressive sanctification. It's maturing in Christ. It's what Paul is talking about when he says, I want to warn you and teach you as I preach to you the gospel of Christ because through the preaching and teaching of God's word, you are able to mature. And I'm just trying to say, where does this happen? It happens in the church. It happens in your life groups. It happens in your home groups. It happens, I love the values that you have where it says that circles are better than rows. You begin to mature, not when you're isolated. Sure, your, your private time with the Lord is, is utterly important. But the accountability and the consistency that comes when you meet in your home groups, when you meet here on Sunday mornings and you worship, that is how we mature. Well, prove it to me. I can prove it to you by reading all the New Testament to you because that's the presentation for us. Listen, Keystone Church, you must mature in Christ. Paul, when he, or Jesus rather, when he's praying, if you, we don't have time to go there, but as he was reading in the upper room and he was praying for his disciples, he was praying for the believers that were in the world at the time, then he prays for all the future believers and he prays to God, he says this, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. Here's the point. If you're a born-again believer, you have been justified. One day you will be glorified. But while you live this life on earth, you are being sanctified. And Christ's desire for you is to become more like him. And as Jesus prayed, sanctify them through thy truth, we ask, what is thy truth? The word is truth. Paul is saying, my desire for Colossians, my desire for you, Keystone, is that you would one day stand before Christ mature. This is why we preach. This is why we toil. This is why Pastor Josh, he, he labors and toils in his study to, to craft sermons and to preach to you and to plan and vision. And that's why we have VBS. It's not just because we're just doing Christian things and we're in the South and we're in Durham and this is just what we're supposed to do. It's no, because we are on mission. We have vision that we're going to, as we just sang about this morning, that we're going to one day stand before him. And yes, the, the tears are going to be wiped away. But, but we're going to stand mature before him. Say, man, God, we lived our life for you. We lived a life of faithfulness to you. I was faithful to my wife. I was faithful in the little areas, I, the little small victories that may, someone may have never seen. But God, I was faithful to you. And then we, we hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. What I'm here to tell you this morning is that you need church because you must mature in Christ. God's plan for your life is the church, and God's plan for the church is your life. Look, let's read the verse 29. We're done this morning. The verse we started with. Whereunto. So now we, we, we know the context. We've just read all these verses. We've talked about them. Paul says, whereunto, after all of that. Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. For all this, for Christ. For his bride, for the church, for you, I labor, I strive, I toil, I work, I struggle, I'm beaten, I'm bruised. I've given my entire life for this according to his working, which he worketh mightily in me. And listen, Paul didn't just preach this, he lived it. 
Paul didn't just write books and say, hey, uh, Christ in you, the mystery is Christ in you. No, Paul lived Christ in me. That's why Paul could later write to, to the church at, at, at Corinth. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches, reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Listen, you need church because it's God's plan for you. You need church because it's who you are. You need church because you must mature in Christ. Jesus of Nazareth died for the church. And what Paul of Tarsus is simply arguing to us this morning is that he's asking us to live for it, for the church. Can we pray this morning? And then Pastor Josh will come and take it. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.